Jonah heard the word of God, arise and go. And he did, just in the wrong direction. He ran away, he disobeyed. And God mercifully saved him by using a fish to deliver him to shore. That's where we pick up today, in Jonah 3, verses 1 through 5. Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And here's what we're going to see, and we've titled the, the sermon this today, Obedience Produces Obedience. Obedience produces obedience. I mean, it's a little bit like you got to, you got to, it takes money to make money, right? I mean, it takes obedience to make obedience. Obedience produces obedience. It's a clear biblical principle that we see in the positive and the negative. Obedience produces obedience, but disobedience produces disobedience. First Corinthians 15, 33 is one of my favorite verses, especially for young people. Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. You might be able to think of a friend who got caught up in the wrong crowd and started making bad decisions. Maybe you were that friend, but you know that disobedience can produce disobedience. When we obey, it works the same way. When the people around us make good decisions, it empowers us to do the same. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been at the Mexican restaurant and can taste the sweet tea, but because everyone else orders water, I do too. This is the main idea of discipleship, that we model a life of obedience in Christ and bring others along with us. That really discipleship is along with Look, let's do this together. Let's watch each other as we go. Let's model for each other obedience to Christ. Discipleship isn't primarily about teaching. It's primarily about showing. God called Jonah to make disciples of the Ninevites. It's fair to label it that way. Chapter 3, then, is where that happens, where we see Jonah going and obeying. Look with me at the first five verses. Let's read this all together. Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. Here's our main idea coming out of those first five verses, is that repentance is a gift from God. Repentance is a gift from God. God sent Jonah to the Ninevites so that they would repent, so that they would turn to him, so that they would do like we saw in verse 5, that they would believe God. God could have allowed Jonah to suffer the consequences of his disobedience. God could have allowed Nineveh to suffer the consequences of their disobedience. Instead, in his kindness, he offered an opportunity to obey. And look, at, look back at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. What grace 
in that phrase, a second time. And how many times in our life do we get to look and say, that was a second time? Sometimes the second times happen 10th and 11th times. We're like, man, God, you've been so gracious to me, so merciful. But here we see that repentance requires opportunity. Repentance requires opportunity. And that might seem obvious, but we shouldn't take it for granted. I mean, have any of you disobeyed a parent and then offered to do what was right, but your parent said it's too late? You might be able to remember that. You may have said that. It's too late. It's too late for it now. But God gave Jonah a second chance. God gave him an opportunity. Jonah couldn't rewind the clock. He couldn't take back the storm. And he couldn't not be swallowed by the fish at this point. But he could do what was right this time. And God gives an almost identical message in chapter 3 as he did in chapter 1. And the call to go back to Nineveh. You can go back and look at at chapter 1. It's very similar It's meant to remind us that God has made this call on him before. Arise and go to Nineveh and say what I tell you to say. That's that's the commission that God gives Jonah. God gave an opportunity for real repentance here. Remember, repentance isn't just feeling bad for something you did. That's not repentance. Repentance isn't a bad feeling. It's turning away from sin and turning to Jesus. It's not even just turning from one sin to a, to a lesser sin. Right? It's turning from not Jesus to Jesus. That's the idea of repentance. So God gives him this opportunity. And what does Jonah do? He goes. This time he obeys. Verse 3 says, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord. According to the word of the Lord. I I think that's a wonderful statement for how we might obey. According to the word of the Lord. That we were to do, we were to live lives of faithfulness to Christ according to the word of the Lord. That it might be said of me, Mark lived his life according to the word of the Lord. That it might be said of you, you lived your life according to the word of the Lord. For Jonah here, he knew the word of the Lord because God spoke to him audibly as a prophet in the Old Testament. For you, God speaks to you through his word in the Bible. So if you would like to be someone who is known as obeying according to the word of the Lord, you have a good option for how to know the word of the Lord. And I can buy a Bible for you on Amazon for like $3. So if you need one, I can help you. Or your phones work. There's no excuse for us. In the past, it was much harder We should be maybe grateful above all else for the technology of our day that we have access to God's word with such freedom and ease. We can know his word. We can know his desires for us. And we can live according to the word of the Lord. Jonah did what God asked him to do. And he did it according to the word of the Lord. In chapter 4, there will be room to debate Jonah's motivation for his obedience in this chapter. But for now, the picture we're given is one of doing what God said and how he said to do it. Now, Jonah's obedience becomes opportunity for someone else. Because he's obedient, because Jonah is obedient, his obedience turns into an opportunity for repentance for someone else. Look at verse 4 with me. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days... And Nineveh shall be overthrown. Do you see here? This is another opportunity. 
This is an opportunity for the Ninevites where, where in verse 1, God gives an opportunity to Jonah. Here the opportunity is extended to the Ninevites. Because Jonah obeyed, Nineveh was given an opportunity for this repentance. And this is a really good picture of making disciples. I mean, it could be true for you like it was true for Jonah. It was true for Jesus. Look, Philippians 2.8 says this. I'll put it on the screen. Philippians 2.8. You can make a note of it. Philippians 2.8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus' obedience to the will of the Father made our salvation possible. And in his sovereignty, God has sent us as Jesus was sent. God uses our obedience to bring people to faith in him. That's what happened with Jonah. The good news is that Jesus has done all the work. We get to go proclaim the work that was done in Christ. But it was because of Christ's obedient work that we can now proclaim obedience and faith. God uses our obedience to bring people to faith in him. That's verse 5. Look at Jonah in verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Like Jonah, our obedience becomes opportunity for others. God provides the way and we proclaim it. Honestly, this is one of the most exciting truths uh, from Scripture that our obedience could produce obedience in others. It should excite us to believe that that might be possible, that God would use us to bless others. Really, obedience to Christ is the great blessing of our lives, that we might live lives that are pleasing to God, that the one who is our great treasure would be pleased in us. So when we, when we in our obedience help produce obedience in others, that's a great blessing to us as we bless others. This is what it means to make disciples. And I wonder who your obedience is meant to impact. Who is your obedience meant to impact? When you're disobedient, it's making an impact. When you're obedient, it's making an impact. People are watching your lives, Christian, to know the seriousness of your beliefs. And when you're disobedient, it shows how serious your beliefs are. It shows how serious your beliefs are. But in your obedience, because of your obedience, who will repentance be offered to? I think some of you are in classes, are in jobs, are in families where God wants you to keep being obedient even when it's difficult. He wants you to do what is right even when it's hard. He wants you to say what is true with love even when it's not easy. Jonah was given a hard message to take to the Ninevites. In 40 days, destruction's coming. That's not necessarily the message God has given you, new covenant believers. His message is that Christ has made a way. That yes, destruction is coming for those who don't take that way, but Christ has made a way. 
And that is easy to back down from when people start calling you names for your exclusivity. That God's not loving. How could you be that narrow-minded to think that only your way could be true? But we hold fast to the truth that was passed to us, that was entrusted to us, because we know that in our obedience that God might offer repentance to others. After all, how will people know their need if they don't hear? Isn't that what the Apostle Paul tells us? How will they know if they don't hear? And how will they hear if we don't go tell them? Who else will go tell them? Who else will be obedient? Who else will be obedient to the commission of Christ to go and share the gospel, to go and make disciples? The Ninevites had no idea destruction was coming. They were passing their days making the best of what they had. I mean, they were making a living. They were buying and selling. They were keeping their houses nice and neat, trying to impress their neighbors with their green grass. Probably not. But they were just going on like every day. No idea that 40 days destruction would come. They were utterly lost in their sin and needed someone with the light of Jesus Christ to shine in their darkness. The world needs an obedient church. The world needs an obedient church. A church that isn't seeking its own greatness, but instead a church that's seeking the greatness of God. And when I say an obedient church, I I don't just mean us in a building together. I mean us as a people, that God has called us as a people. I'm just going to switch to this mic. Is that, is that okay? Sorry, that was like, that was distracting me. I figured if it was distracting me, it was probably distracting you as well. The reverb, Walter, I see the reverb. The world needs an obedient church. This is this the idea of the world needing an obedient church to proclaim the good news of Christ is a major reason why we want to be a sending church that plants teams and people in new places. We want more and more obedient churches in more and more places. We want more and more obedient Christians in more and more places. As we continue to prepare to plant our first church together next year, We see how Jonah's faithfulness brought salvation to an entire city, from the least to the greatest. Shouldn't that be our prayer too? God, that you would use us, that you would use us in such a mighty way. I mean, what's to stop God from using us that way? Shouldn't that be our prayer for Union County? God, use Provision Church to bring salvation to Union County. God, use Provision Church to bring salvation to the United States, to cities across our country and across the whole world. God, use us. That's our vision. That's how we say our vision here as a church. We say that our vision is for our community and world to be filled with all the fullness of God. It's echoing the prayer of Paul in Ephesians. 
that we would see people filled with all the fullness of God, that they would not just be clinging to some fire insurance style religion, but that they would be intimately dwelling and abiding with Christ, that they would be filled with his goodness, with the inexpressible joy and the surpassing love that he has. God's given us a mission. That's, 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 that's really God's vision for the world is that he, he would be honored and known through everyone. And he's given us a mission for that. And we say that here as, as a church, that our mission is to be a Christ-centered community driven by the joy of the gospel to make disciples who make disciples. I really believe that in those three phrases that we, God can use us effectively to see people in our communities and our world filled with all the fullness of God. The world needs Christ-centered communities not self-centered communities, not fame-centered communities, Christ-centered communities, not service-centered communities, Christ-centered communities, and not just communities that are huddled up, talking theology all day, sitting in ivory towers, looking down at everyone else, but driven by the joy of the gospel, that because we know how we've been saved and we know what we've been saved from and what we've been saved to, that we might desire to see others have the same thing, have the same one, that they might have Jesus. So because of that joy, we, we gather together in community around the one who gave us our salvation, and then we go make disciples who make disciples. That, that we want to be the one who the gospel came to to go to someone else. That's our big prayer. That's our mission. That's our vision. We recognize that we are people who had a second chance. We recognize that we're people who get to obey out of our salvation. That because by grace, through, by grace through faith, that we've been saved, that we get to obey, that we get to offer, we get to follow and, and obey God's commission for us to make disciples. We look at Jonah who enjoyed the grace of a second chance and then had the opportunity to offer a second chance. And isn't that the heart of evangelism? That we get to share what has been given to us. Because of Jonah proclaiming the message of God, the Ninevites had an opportunity to repent, to turn to God. God gave them that opportunity and they took it. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Don't you love how seriously they took the message of Jesus? They weren't like, well, let's wait 39 days and see if he's right. <laughs> if, the, if the clouds start getting dark on day 39, then maybe we'll repent. They heard it and they obeyed. They said, we need change now. We need to follow after this God now. This would have been humiliating. Had they been wrong, had it just been a few of them doing this, it could have been humiliating for them to fast and, and dress in sackcloth. But they, they said, no, we trust God. This is what obedience looks like in repentance. That we don't go halfway in. They wouldn't want to say, well, maybe a little bit of God in case it's right. Like, mm, I might... I might wear a sackcloth shirt, but I'm going to keep my khakis. Like, it's not halfway. This is all in. It's sackcloth and fasting. It's the greatest to the least because we trust it's all true. Church, do you believe it's all true? 
Is this the type of repentance that, that we're proclaiming? Is not a God who wants some of your life, but a God who deserves all of your life. We see how seriously they took repentance, that they were obedient deeply and fully. Partial obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Church, let's be fully obedient to our king. And we're going to mess up, but we keep striving towards the goal. We keep aiming at perfection with much grace, with much mercy. I love to see how serious they took it, but I also love to see that the good news of God's love is for everyone, the greatest and the least. The consequence for sin is no different if you live in a palace or if you live in a van. In the same way, the beauty of the gospel can be as brilliant to the billionaire and to the bankrupt. The need and the offer of the gospel is true for every color, for every culture, for every nationality, every family, every sinner. That's why Jesus told us very clearly that he came to save sinners. He came to save sinners. And that's it. He didn't put more qualifications on what the sinner looked like. How much money was in their bank account or what type of sin, or, or even where they were from. His love, his love is for you. His love is for you. I know that there are some of you who have wondered, can God love me? His love is for you. Yes, God can love you. Yes, God can love you. He loves the greatest of sinners. The Ninevites had an opportunity to repent. Jonah had an opportunity to obey, and they took it. And you might be wondering when your opportunity for repentance will come. When will God give me the opportunity to repent? If only God would send me a Jonah, I would repent. If he would just give someone who would say, in 40 days, there'll be destruction. Someone would come and tell me, I would repent. When will God give me a chance to turn to him? I mean, it's right now, isn't it? It's right now. This is the opportunity. This is the call. And I'm not Jonah. Jonah wasn't the central figure here. It wasn't about Jonah. It was about the word of the Lord given to Jonah. This is the word of the Lord. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. What are the wages of sin? The wages of sin is death. You don't need a date. You don't need 40 days. Your life will end. If you have not trusted in the true Savior alone, that is what's waiting for you. Death and destruction. But the good news is that God did not make you for that. God designed you and desires you to know and love and enjoy him. 
And so he made a way. And you've heard it. You've heard it over and over. You've heard it as we sang. You heard it in communion. You've heard it in the sermon that he came for you. He lived a life perfectly that you could not live. He never sinned. He was fully God and fully man. So he could take your sin on his shoulders and die in your place the death you deserved. He took the consequence that you deserve. And he said, believe. Believe. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God, raised him from the dead. You will be saved. The people of Nineveh believed God. Will you? Will you trust Jesus? If you've never trusted Jesus for your salvation, now is the time. And that's the question I'm leaving you with. If, if you're not a Christian, will you trust Jesus? If you are a Christian, we, we do see a, a picture of Jonah here who was, who was uh, an Israelite. He was a part of the family of God, and he disobeyed God. So we see the picture of the Ninevites who were far from God and turned to God. We also see Jonah who was disobedient and had to turn back to God. So maybe you're a Christian, but you've been disobedient. John 8.31 makes it really clear. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Do you know what abiding in his word means? Obedience. It means that you desire to be with him. Disobedience, sin separates us from God. We can't abide in his word and live in patterns of sin. It's time to reject the lesser things that you've been giving yourself to and return to Jesus as your treasure and master. Will you be obedient? Will you be obedient? Even repentance is a gift from God. Sometimes we just think the cross, the empty grave, that was a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. It is. And repentance, when you come to repentance, it's not because you've attained a certain amount of knowledge It's not because you're so great or so disciplined. It's because the Holy Spirit is so good to draw you in. It's because God is so good to love you and offer it to you. Accept his gift of grace and turn back to him. If you want to talk, you want to pray, we'll be in the back. We'd love to talk and pray with you. Will you pray with me now? Father, we are. So grateful for the gift of repentance. That you've loved us in such a way that you didn't leave us to dance in our graves. God, you didn't leave us without knowledge. God, we know that there's some who will live and die in this world and because of your church's disobedience, they won't hear the gospel. So God, I pray that you would help us to be obedient, that we would share your word with those in need of hearing the gospel, that we would be obedient, that we would turn from sin and stop accepting lesser things when, God, you have given us so much in yourself. And God, for those here who have never turned to you, who have never trusted you for their salvation, I pray for their repentance as well. God, help them to see the beauty of your salvation of a God who loves them deeply and who will never forsake them and who will always be faithful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.